Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. We're going to do another live show here, guys. We're out at Elmwood. We got set up next to Chris. We got people walking by us right now wondering what we are doing. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to try to get some, some guys on for you. Tell some deer stories, rep some products out here at the show. Um, super busy. We're only about 45 minutes in. Uh, you guys, if you hear some better sound quality, we, we got a soundboard. We got the new mic set up. We uh, we got a mess on the table right now, but it's working good. It looks the like we've guy been came through came through hard on this one. So so we're uh, we're out here. We hope to get some guys on for you, some good stories. I know we got a couple guys that said they want to come on, so – we're going to at least get one episode out here at Elmwood. You got anything else to say, homie? I don't know. It's uh, It's been pretty busy so far. And like yeah. I said, right at 9 o'clock and doors opened, it yeah. kind of filled up in here. So we're we're just finishing the sound check, and people are asking what we're doing with all these microphones. And yeah, We got a VIP shout-out. Uh, I just talked to a guy. I didn't catch his name, but he did, did a tour in Vietnam, and he's got 40 on the wall, over 140. So, 40 deer on the wall yeah. over 140. He's he said he was 78 years old and he still goes out and shotgun hunts. So and uh, he started hunting in 1957. Yeah. So, so he's he's never gonna listen to this podcast. But yeah. I want to shout him out for his service because he said he got shot three times in Vietnam. I mean that's even going to Vietnam is is honorable. But le- I mean getting wounded and then coming back and and he still got the passion for deer hunting because he's checking out our our mounts pretty hard. Uh, to go to go get back out in the woods after coming back from over there, yeah. you know, it, it probably took a lot of courage. Yeah, he said that he's real jumpy out in the woods. <laughs> he said if he hears something, because he's used to being over there. And so, like I said, another another background episode. Hope it's not too bad. We got we got the new mics. They uh, won't pick up as much background noise. So we're gonna we're gonna check this sound out. Make sure it sounds good before we have a guest on. All right, guys. Small break. We'll get back to you. Whitetail Legacy back here at, live at Elmwood. We got Jeff Embry coming on. Uh, he's, he's the, are you the owner? I'm the owner. The owner. 
of ECW Hunting Calls. Um, he's going to come on here and talk a little bit about his product. He's got quite a lineup over there, so uh, he's going to come on and tell you a little bit more about it. Yeah, if you hear any background noise of the, the turkey calls before, that was him over there showing off his product. So this tur- we were just talking, the turkey calls are getting us fired up because season's right around the corner. We keep hearing them. It's getting us fired up thinking about turkey season, so. Go ahead, go ahead, and uh, go ahead and explain your. I know you got a double-sided call there, so go ahead and into that and explain how that how that works. Well, actually, it's a it's a design I came up with a couple years ago. We've been making uh, calls. We do a lot of a five-tone deer grunt, and we also make our turkey calls, make some duck and some goose. And we were making our turkey calls. We were making their slate and copper and ceramic and glass, but nobody was out there. I was seeing like a, a double-sided call because a lot of people were buying two calls and carrying out the with them yeah. so I uh, experimented and worked on the lathe for a while and worked with a couple of different designs and then I finally perfected what we one we call the temptress where it has the glass is the as the primary on one side and then slates on the back and it has the glass soundboard on the inside that soundboard makes a world of difference on your clarity and for reaching your sound out there and uh, so this is then we released the temptress and this year we just released the triple threat which on the main surface has glass copper and has slate on the back well i've never heard a copper call that's something new that yeah. it's uh some people like it it's, it's very very raspy is it has, like a, a, raspy. has a very very unique sound to yeah. it i like a raspy sound like the raspy hen they sell i like exactly that. i like exactly that. get yeah. that real old hen real sound old there hen. Seems like what I, if I use a mouth call, the, I can blow the raspy ones better than I can, like the the sonic domes or the high pitch ones. But yeah, go ahead and hit a couple a couple calls on there. On the, the audience. Uh, this, this is the glass side. And that's not even that. I'm barely even putting pressure on it. Yeah, it sounds good. See, the way you're doing that is kind of different than I do it. Like, you're you're pushing away on yeah. the glass. And, you know, normally, I think even on hunting shows and stuff, you know, I don't know if it's just the way that I do it, but I always yeah. drag it towards me. Yeah, I've noticed when, when people will pick their calls up, and sometimes they'll, they'll I'll see them drop towards themselves, and they'll, they'll, yeah. they'll do the circles. Mm-hmm. I know, it's just sound, kind of something that I kind of picked up to. Yeah, it's kind of, it's a little bit more volume, I think, and it's more, yeah. If you want, uh, that's that's not even as loud as I can do it. Yeah. But these calls, uh, the calls I make, I mean, if you want it to reach out there, I mean, you can you you will hear this hundreds of yards away. Nice. I put a lot I put a lot of time and a lot of experimentation into these before I before I released them. And you know, of course, slate's a nice little mellow. Yeah. Get that really nice easy curve. to do your purrs in there. Now, something that um, all of our calls are handmade, made right here in, in Knox County. Nice. Made by veterans. Oh, I'm, yeah, we I'm, love I'm, that, man. I'm ex-Navy. Uh, uh, one of my partners here that helps me make them, he's ex-Army. Well, thank you for your service. Appreciate it. You. Yeah, that's, that's and, awesome. And uh, um, I give a lifetime guarantee in all of our calls. So if something comes loose, something wow. just you know isn't holding up, we will fix or replace that call for no charge. Now, um, a lot of hunters, you know, you, you, you cherish your calls. It's something you've come to depend on. You get used to it. If you drop one of our calls and you shatter or, or, or break, the, break the surface on it, we'll replace the surface for $10. Wow, that's cool, man. So that that's... way you don't have to go back out and go buy another one yeah. because usually you've got it tuned in. You, 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 you like the way it feels. It's something you've gotten used to. 
nothing so makes we, you more in love with your call than when it gets yeah. when it gets a job done well, for you. I, know. I know, like, I got I know a lot of people probably got this, but I got that same call that's in my turkey vest, and I probably killed six birds with it. So when you get a call that you get used to and you love, yep. you know. And, and then it would a break like that. That's cool that you guys offer a warranty and that you replace stuff. And and it's veteran made. We love anything veteran made. That I mean, we represent that hard because that's that's all. And it's made right here in Knox County. So yeah, made right in Knox that's County. Awesome. And, and um, all of our parts and material come here from the United States. Nice. That's major for me. So it's everything's American made. It's right here. It's local. Awesome. What's uh, what's the what's the cost of a slate call? Our, our single-sided slate calls are $20 or two for 30 Our double-sided ones are 40 Yeah, And our, tri- our triple price, threats though. are 50 Yeah, that's, that's, that's price, very yeah. reasonable. Very, for American-made, veteran-made, too, that's super reasonable. Well, do you guys have a website or a Facebook? We do. It's, uh, it's under EmbryCustomWoodworking.com. And the uh, Facebook page is uh, ECW Hunting Calls. Okay. we got a series of shirts out and other items that we make. And... Um, all right, we'll get your link, and we'll make sure and share it on our page so our followers on social media can can get a up close and personal picture of, of the call. And uh, go ahead and hit us with a few more calls, and then we'll we'll go whitetail legacy fashion and get a good deer story out of you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, get some real good that's, volume out of that. That's not even. That's still not full. <laughs> yeah, I like that though. I was say he's barely got any pressure on it. Yeah. I like them when they get close. You start hitting that soft purr. Yeah, you can keep it down. To yeah. Oh yeah. It's real nice. I'm gonna have to go over there and check them out. I know. See, another thing we do is um, we'll make calls for uh, four groups and foundations like the National Wildlife Turkey Foundation, the guys from Arrow TV. We're uh, we'll put your name and your logo oh, on nice. the call. That way, it's and we'll wholesale it to you. That way, it's it's your call. It's something That's for cool. you to hold on to, for you to market. If you want to donate it at banquets, or if you want to resell it yourself, we're 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 a we're a we're a one stop shop. Um, now, our engraving we use uh, out of Bartonville, uh, yeah. uh, Charlie Ann's Crafts. Jill does a phenomenal job. So you can give me a White Tail Legacy logo. Exactly. Oh man, that'd be we could, take uh, my money. We could have that laser. We could have that laser engraved into deer grunts. You could have that put on turkey calls. Wow. We, we can put in that on you. I mean, this guy got some business. <laughs> <laughs> Jill, we, uh, we uh, Jill is the only one that we've got to uh, exclusively use. So the, she's the only one that, that does our engravings for us. That's good, man. She does high quality stuff, like you said. She does, yeah. and uh, the prices are uh, the prices are, are good, and her quality of work is just unmatchable. Yeah. And she's dependable. So when she tells you, I'm going to have it by this date, it's not an apology. It's your order's ready to be picked up. All right. Did you say how much the triple... The triple uh, threats are 50. 50? Okay. Yeah, I'm going to have to go check out that copper. Yeah, I want to get on that copper. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead and grab one. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you can go grab it. Yeah, go ahead and grab it real quick. We're going to get get the copper on here, get the sound of that, and then we're going to get a good good deer story out of it. Because this is Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Right. We've got to get a deer story out of everybody. So this call that he's got, it's uh, split down the middle, and uh, the bottom half of it is the copper, and then the top half is, is what would you say? It's glass. It's a, it's, beaded, glass. it's a beaded glass. Yeah, that's something we need to say. It's All your glass is textured, too. Cause Correct. I was it's, it's talking it's about the, the smooth glass calls I've used in the rain and stuff, and it doesn't seem to hold up as good, you know, because a lot of times you're out there in the spring, I mean, a pop-up shower can happen any time. Yep. So. 
So what do you what are you roughing that up with there? Is it is that's that just... a Scotch Bright pad? Okay. You know when when you're doing an, an event like this, and it's something shiny, the first thing kids do is put their fingers on it. Yeah. <laughs> and of course sure. you know you know you get oil, you get enough oil, you get oils all over your surface your call, it's just it's just not going to perform right. It's like having a fogged up lens on your on your shotgun. Yeah. Let's hear this copper. Let's try that. Yeah. A little deeper pitch. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Sounds nice good, though. Yeah, nice and raspy. Then you can change it up. Get over to your, you know, get over to your glass side. That's cool. You got you got one call in one hand, and you can sound like three different birds, exactly. three different hens at the same time. Just, I mean, all you got to do you got you got copper and slate on top, and then you just flip it over, and you got glass on the back, right? Flip it back. It's, it's, oh. it's, it's, it's copper and glass in the front okay. with slate on the back. Copper, glass, and slate, so you can sound like three birds. At, exactly. You know, out of one I got call. all the hens over here, boys. Come check yeah. them out. Yeah. The, the hardest part on this call here was the um, was keeping because the two surfaces pretty much will touch. Uh, the hardest part was making because when you know, a lot of times surfaces when you put them together they'll mimic the other sound but to yeah. keep but to keep it have two different sounds that was the trick in our in our on, on manufacturing uh, for us making these so you can get you can get the th three of the best surfaces you can use all in, all one, in call. one call that's awesome yeah uh, what type of wood do you guys use um, I use a lot of maple cherry uh, some walnut. Um, out of the exotics, uh, I'd like using babinga. It's an African rosewood. It's also known as African rosewood. Uh, it's very heavy. It's extremely dense. Does the different types of wood change any of the calls? Yes. Uh, the different types of woods does have an effect on the sound. Pine is a horrible wood to use. It just it has a it just does not just does not perform. Does not give you a great a great sound out of it. You're typically your your harder woods. Uh, your spalta maples, ambrosia maples, really make really nice uh, appearance-wise and sound-wise. Yeah, that's cool. So you could, you could say, you know, your custom call, so you can make it out of any wood. If a guy wants a certain Correct. wood, or that's that's pretty awesome. And then the plus thing in the graving, that's that's yeah. even cooler. So yeah, so that we we can have it custom engraved to any logo. So if somebody has a charity event, or you're with a National Wildlife Turkey Foundation, yeah. if you got a youth hunt to sponsor. Uh, we will have your name, your logo put onto it, and we'll wholesale it to you at an, at an amazing price. Yeah, that's, and, uh, for that's the cool because, you know, you go to benefits and you always want to put in something unique, you know, and a, and a handmade turkey call, that's that's pretty unique. So. And for the youth hunts, typically, you know, we'll donate a few of the calls. Yeah. And if somebody, if they want to order more, we'll, we'll make it an amazing deal for them. All right, man. Well, let's get to that deer story real quick. Well, I had um, got back from a deployment, and I just uh, just got home, and it was right. Around, it was deer season, and my son was old enough. He was uh, he was wanting to go wanted to go deer hunting with dad. So we took I took him deer hunting. It was late in the afternoon. Couldn't didn't know where my camouflage was or anything <laughs> like that. So it's about three o'clock. We finally make it out to some property out there in Knox County. And our camouflage, like there was no camouflage. It was blue jeans and some knee, and some uh, orange hoodies. That's what, that's, what, <laughs> that's what it consisted of. So we got there was a neighbor that he let us let us use his property. We got over there, got across the creek, 
and got down into in between two dead fallen trees. And we could hear, um, we kind of, I thought I could see something moving up, you know, way off in the hills over there. So I got the deer grunt out and I kept trying different tones. And it was the snort that really kind of, five of them came down the hillside. Oh, wow. They all stopped down at the bottom. Uh, one was, two of them were some pretty decent sized bucks. The other ones that were kind of, kind of junior size. And I kept doing it. And uh, uh, two of them, the smaller ones sort of coming across the field. Now his property line was about 80, it went out about another 80 yards and there was an old, you know, old what was left of a fence. Most of it was, you know, not a whole lot of it was there. So I, I, I snored a little bit and they came right up to the, where that fence was and they just stood there looking confused, trying to figure out where that was coming from. So then I, I changed it over to the, uh, to the fawn and it did a couple little bleats, and the and the, uh, the smaller of the two, he came, he he stepped he came he uh, uh, came over that fence, and uh, which is now on the property we could hunt yeah. a little eight pointer. So I told my son I hand him the shotgun. It was and I, I laid it on the tree and got it on like here you go take the shot. And he was he was too nervous to do it. He's like no what if I miss? I'm like who cares? You took the shot. It's not that big of a deal. You know, there's always, there's, you know, many other times to go hunting. You just didn't want to, you know, you're just too nervous to do it. So I took it. I took the shot, dropped it, and it laid there, and he was all excited and, and didn't quite wait long enough. I thought I'd waited long enough. I started walking. I uh, left the shotgun where we're at. Oh, yeah. And started walking across the field, got about halfway there, and it lifted its head up and she was gone, <laughs> but we we ended up we did end up finding it, um, and we just we did get the we did get the antlers off of it. Yeah. But I was really afraid that, you know, I was so pumped up with that adrenaline. Take my son deer hunting for the first yeah. time. We get a buck, and I got up and moved towards it oh, too man. soon, and yeah. I was like, oh, I was gonna well, he ruin his. Good lesson. We've all done that, you know. We were, you know, so that's that's cool. I mean, we big thing we like to do on this podcast is. We want to get everybody in the outdoors. So anybody that's a veteran and takes their kids hunting is is high class in our, our book. So we appreciate you coming on. It's uh, ECW calls, right? ECW hunting calls. ECW hunting calls. You got you got grunt calls too. You said. Yep. Yeah. We make a five tone deer grunt. Uh, we got the you know, the duck, goose, deer, and turkey. We also have some whiskey barrel duck calls. Oh, nice. Uh, I got to know a guy that uh, uh, just rep with Jack Daniels, and he'll get me a barrel. Ooh. And I make him stuff, and then uh, um, I, I get to keep what's left of it. And uh, each year, we make a hundred duck calls from those whiskey barrels. Wow, Jack Daniels whiskey Man. barrel duck call. I got to check and, uh, those out. We turn we turn the dust collectors off, so we keep all the sawdust. And we put the sawdust from the barrel in the box with the call. So oh. you get the call. Uh, the calls are numbered. The boxes are numbered, and it all comes all all on one nice little you know wow. all together. That's nice, man. Well, we appreciate you coming on. We'll definitely be going over there and checking out your stuff. So I gotta get a whitetail legacy turkey call. Yeah, I know. No. All right, man. Thank you again. Appreciate it, guys. All right, guys. We'll be back. All right, guys. We're back. We got Sean Anderson on here from Take the Shot Outdoors. Now uh, he's done a couple different things this year that he's gonna go over. Uh, he was hunting, started out on public, and then got some private, and had a pretty successful year. Uh, from what from what I've seen, so 
Uh, Sean, you, wanted, you just want to start off with how your year started out? Yeah, we, uh, we started out on public ground, and uh, we hung some camera sets and a bottom over a little bean field, and uh, looked like a pretty nice spot, put some mock scrapes out, a lot of deer activity down there, uh, but we never seen anything but one deer. It started out real slow. Heard deer, seen tracks, droppings, everything, just when we were out there, there was no deer. A lot of nighttime movement then, probably, guessing. Guessing either late at night or super early in the morning. Yeah. Maybe pushing them out as we came in. Yeah, that's you know, a pretty just, thick bedding area, so. Yeah, you just don't know with all the tall grass and everything out there. You know, there's a lot of a lot of activity out there, so you just never know if the deer got pushed from one side of the property to the other the night before. For sure, yeah, because they could cross the river right there and be on the private side and 100 yards, and, you know, and you never see them, so. Yeah, we did hear them a lot in the rivers in the morning, dropping in, you know, and other critters, raccoons yeah. probably too, so yeah. a lot of activity in the rivers in the morning, but Did never... you see a lot of people out there on public, or? Uh, actually, where we were at, it wasn't, wasn't too bad. Uh, we did see some sightings of maybe some ground blinds down in the bottoms, but uh, just a few guys maybe on the other side of the field, um, sporadic through the property, but where we were, Centrally, didn't see a whole lot of activity. So, so you guys weren't very far back in there, or you think just happened? Yeah, we through? walked really far. Um, yeah, it was hour before daylight. We were walking, and yeah, it's pretty far back. We in had there. maybe 15, 20 minutes, you know, in the stand before daylight hit. Yeah. Get in there. But yeah, we just never seen, really ever seemed to see any deer. We seen one, one decent buck, you know, for or for public land. It shooter came out about 80 yards and i thought about you know maybe trying it but yeah just unlawful kills are not what we're all about yeah yeah for sure i don't think anybody wants to do that um on that mock scrape you guys put out uh did the deer make it bigger or did they just kind of entertain what you guys had going on Uh, they hit it quite a bit actually uh they they didn't really make it much bigger it was already pretty big itself um, they did entertain it a lot and um, broke some branches off. And that one buck we did have come in, he we dressed it up before we got in the stand, and he did come across that field, walked right by it, turned around, put his nose in the air. He could smell it, but he went he went right back to the tall grass, gonna go lay down. Yeah, yeah. He just never he never really entertained it. So maybe some. More mature deer were taking taking advantage of it over the younger deer, but um, that particular deer did not entertain it. But it had been it had been touched by other deer though. Um, how how long have you hunted on public ground? Um, we've been on the same piece for on and off about four years. Um, a couple years ago, we started hunting out there. For a couple of years in a row, then we all kind of stayed on private ground. Then we've kind of ventured back out to public, and we just want to we just want to show people and prove to people that you can hunt quality deer on public ground. Yeah, it's harder. I, I've shot some nice bucks out there. I know where you guys are at, and uh, it's tough, but you can get it done. And I like I like how you guys are doing. You can shoot, you can shoot deer. I mean, whether it's a giant deer or a, or a nice buck or a doe, you can still get it done on private or public ground to get people motivated to go hunt that stuff instead of 
you know, well, I ain't got nowhere to go, so I'm just going to sit on the couch. So That's why I like to use the term quality deer. Uh, yeah. You, know, you, may, you may never get a great managed, you know, mature six-year-old deer. You might get a, a quality four-year-old that's had good, good genetics. Um, but, I mean, it. you never know. There might be yeah. that mature buck that's lived there all its life, and it just may be an area that somebody's never been in. We got a... We got a guy who's going to come on the podcast hunting the same piece, and he shot a 158-incher off there this year. Early season, I think the 15th or the 20th of October, and uh, crazy story on how he tracked that thing. Hopefully we get him on. He's he's a conductor on the railroad, so he he's never – you're a conductor too, right? I am, yeah. Pretty, pretty crazy schedules you guys yep. got, so it's hard to even get out there in the woods and get that. So you, see, you got some private ground this year, and you were successful on that. So let's go ahead and go into your buck. Uh, buck for this year kind of tell us how you set up and how that played out uh my buck i shot this year was during the first shotgun season in illinois um i looked at the weather about a week before and it just all the weather conditions were not favorable for anything and i had one weekend that was the only weekend i had and i committed myself to a ground blind tucked in behind some hay bales uh, trying to stay out of that wind and Friday morning when I woke up it was cold wind was I believe nine mile an hour at the time and it hit gusts of 20 by the end of the night and that ground blind was really Life nice it was super cold <laughs> yeah. I, I you know stayed a little bit warmer in there and trying to keep that scent down to a minimum yeah and Friday we had really good activity in the morning that cold front coming in we had a lot of does come out one small little buck he must have been fighting with more mature deer because he was broke off on one side um he was bumping some does around they were just kind of playing around out there it was kind of fun just to watch sit back and have my girlfriend with me she's you know nudging me in the shoulder shoot one shoot one shoot (laughs) one yeah she just wants to see that's cool you got your your girlfriend out there and got to experience the outdoors with you that's one thing about a ground blind man I, I love hunting out of a tree stand, but I've, I double double turkeyed out of a grind bl- ground blind this year, and it's so cool because you're right next to the guy, and you get, you know, after you're successful or you see deer, you just, like, you can talk in there quietly, you know, and it just seems like if they're not super close, you can get away with quite a bit of movement in a blind. Yeah, and it was, uh, we sat for quite a while. We, you know, with the shotgun season only having three days for myself to be out there, we sat quite a while. We sat till a little after 10 o'clock. And for me, that's kind of long. <laughs> I just, usually 9.30 rolls around. I, I'm ready to go back. Cold, feet are frozen. And um, we went back out Friday night. Weather wasn't doing anything great for us. The wind was just howling. And I stuck with it. And Friday night, we had some, had some does come out right before dark. And there was a decent buck. He'd come out. I had... I was questionable about taking a shot, and he finally moved in about 45, 50 yards. And I had a little 20-gauge with me that night, and right before daylight, you know, it was, you know, sundown. And I went ahead and took a shot, and I missed him probably two inches high. And went back and looked at the footage right after I shot because he didn't move much. He kind of stumbled a little bit. And then he took off running. So I went back and I looked at the footage, and I realized I hit the barbed wire fence behind him 
about 60 yards behind him. It was, <laughs> it was kind of a crazy thing to see. Yeah. And, um, I went over and I double checked just to make sure there wasn't any blood. Didn't want to, you know, wound a deer and leave him lay out there. And but uh, Friday was just not a good day. Saturday, unfortunately, we woke up. It was pouring down rain, and I wasn't about to sit all day in the rain, the cold. Homie did. <laughs> <laughs> Some people probably yeah. did, but I, uh, I took the, we took the day off. We kind of recouped, warmed up, and. I went back and I looked at all the footage of the does in the morning and realized that was going to be the hot spot. And I had a buck tag and a doe tag. Come Sunday morning, went out, and it was very quiet. I was a little nervous with because of the weather that came in. I was nervous that this was the last day and nothing was going to happen. And I'm going to say, as much as it rained, you didn't know what they were going to be doing. Right, yeah, I didn't know if that rain was going to push them you know straight to beds you know with the wind the way it was i didn't know if they were ever going to get up uh, sunday morning was super quiet went in ate lunch came back out and uh I mean, we came back out super early i was i was back in the blind by 1 30 because i just you just never know this time of year the rut was really starting to kind of push its way in the does were running the bucks were chasing a little bit um, the young bucks were really pushing the does, really, you know, scattering them around. So I figured at least anything, I could at least get a doe shot on Sunday, maybe eat a buck tag. But we sat for about four hours until four does come across the road to my east. And we were watching these four does come across, and I just happened to look back over my other shoulder, and there was there was a buck young buck standing right there in the field and his twin brother was standing right behind him he was just a little bit bigger and I instantly focused my all my attention on these two bucks and they were watching these does they were licking their lips they were they were interested so I let them play their game I let the does come out and the bucks finally started working across the field to the does and I let the first buck walk a second buck came in within probably 35, 40 yards, and I I just knew that this was my only chance at a decent deer, you know, to fill my tag. And I'm actually pretty happy I took the shot. He dropped instantly, um, hit him a little bit high, spined him a little bit, but he dropped instantly. And at this point in time, I just happened to look around, and there was probably 25 other deer in the field at the time. I was, <laughs> I was almost nervous that I, you know, maybe went through that one, maybe hit another one, but luckily there wasn't any other deer behind him when I shot. And knowing I had a buck tag filled, I sat patiently waiting, and, I mean, these does, they just poured in the field from every direction, and I waited and about two minutes before shooting light was legally out for Illinois I pulled the trigger on a nice doe and she oh, went yeah. about 40 yards and dropped so Filled I was the able freezer to, that day huh That's I was good, able man. to fill my freezer you know it was money well worth it on the tags you yeah. know just it was a crazy weekend the weather conditions were terrible 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 and committing myself to the ground blind I think was the best option I ever made for that weekend being able to actually fill both my tags with just the just the way everything worked out was 
it was crazy, but it just goes to show how in the hunting industry you can do anything with any kind of weather situations or anything, you know. Yeah. Just got to be out there. I was saying they got to eat at some point. Yeah, yeah. that's the thing. You just got to be there. And these deer, they just move when they want to, and you just got to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah. So on this uh, new private piece you got, um, are you going to be making any adjustment to your stand placements for this coming year? Actually, yeah, I am. When I first got this property, I just went out right on a uh, transition from a field to a timber that's basically a hillside going into a creek bottom, and I just put a stand right on the edge of the field, and corn was up. So it was one of those things, you walk into your stand, you don't know if you're walking by 30 deer or zero deer. You know, you don't know. And I've had days where I walked in there, climbed in my stand, maybe bumped, you know, my release or something on the ladder or on the stand or something, and it was like a stampede of deer. I mean, it, it yeah. sounded like a, de- a damn truck driving through a cornfield, you know. These deer yeah. took off the other direction. Bending but, that corn. You know, they were... And after that corn started dying down, I could really start seeing where they were at, and they were really about 10 yards from where I walked in. It was crazy. Yeah. It's but, hard um, to pinpoint them when that standing corn is there. Just like a couple podcasts ago, I, I think I bumped a buck out that I was hunting, and I ended up shooting him later in the rut. But I think I bumped him out because he was bedding in that corn, and I, I thought he was bedding further back in. But Yeah, one afternoon I I went out, and I I bumped some deer out of, out of the cornfield. And I just, I sat still and I got in the stand, really disappointed in myself, but I sat still, I got in the stand and it wasn't an hour and a half later, a beautiful eight point that I've got several pictures of on my trail cameras. He just, he come out and I was at, at that point where I was like, do I pick up the grunt tube? Do I pick up the horns, rattle at him, grunt at him? You know, what do I do here? So I threw a couple small grunts at him and he everything he had he swung his head so fast I, I couldn't even believe it. I thought he was looking straight at me and he entertained it there for a minute and then he started walking again and he was walking away from me and I only have like two shooting holes in the stand right now you know with new property I just rush things you know it's yeah you got it during deer season right yeah, uh, yeah I mean, it, it was, was I mean we were probably 15 20 days into the season yeah. already so you're getting so. it right when the rut's starting to kick up so you're just yeah. trying to get a stand in there on a good spot and get I'm set up just to hunt. trying to pattern deer you know at, after the season's already started and trying to hunt them at the same time is it's really difficult but uh I did finally get him to kind of walk towards me and I finally did draw back on him at 17 yards and I don't know if I was just so excited to see a, a decent deer for once or what, but I shot and I literally missed him by, I mean, not even an inch, I think. I did find some hair, no blood. And when I did shoot him, I thought I hit him in the shoulder because I heard a crack and it was actually just my arrow lodging into a log behind yeah. him. So. <laughs> He did run. He was he was blowing and blowing and blowing, went into a creek bottom, and he blew for probably 20 minutes. <laughs> I I was so disappointed in myself for, I don't know if I rushed my shot or what, but everything happened so fast. And he he blew and blew and blew, and I I tried calling him back in. Sometimes yeah. sometimes those deer will come back just to check things out. and He pushed a smaller buck up to him, and my own revenge, I just pulled the 
pulled the string back and I, I shot him right there. Got him on camera. He's on our uh, first episode. It's on YouTube. Um, link on our Facebook page for that one. And I also got Kirk's doe kill out on that public ground. Now he he worked he worked his ass off for that one, and I was I was proud of him for that one. He he worked and worked and worked, but on my side of things, it was I was even surprised I killed deer this year getting into a property like that. Well, congrats to you on a successful season, and we appreciate you coming on. Yeah, no problem. Uh, it's been fun, and uh, they're here at the Elmwood Show kind of rep out their name so we'll uh we'll tag them in the link there guys so you can check them out all right we're gonna take a brief pause and we'll get back to you all right we're gonna wrap this episode up here with kirk franzen from take the shot outdoors uh we had kirk back on in episode three he was the very first guest of the whitetail legacy podcast um if you guys are catching up uh be sure to check out that episode however uh in that episode that he was with wild thing However, uh, some things have come up, and he's going to get into that. And uh, now they are take the shot outdoors. So, Kirk, you just want to go ahead and get right into that about uh, what, yeah. what's going on there? Well, unfortunately, in this industry, um, you, you kind of got to be careful with how you word things and how you, you know, uh, of other companies. And we got a message about three days before this show that there was a company in Washington, the state of Washington, that had wild things So the trademark infringement to avoid any lawsuits, we decided to change our name. But we didn't take it laying down. I mean, I want everybody to know that we didn't. I mean, we put up a fight. We didn't take it laying down because we were Wild Thing Outdoors. I've had that name picked out since I was 12 years old and just started deer hunting. So I wasn't taking this, you know, laying down. So we, I I was on the phone with with a trademark lawyer for about an hour and a half the day that I found everything out. And we could have probably fought it, and we we could have won. I mean, Wild Thing Outdoors wasn't trademarked anywhere, so we could have trademarked it. But the thing was, was you got into a position where we didn't want any type of, you know, 10 years from now, when we're all sitting around doing an episode on the Outdoor Channel, we didn't want anyone saying, well, 10 years ago they were in a legal battle with some, some guy from Washington. We just didn't want that kind of publicity. So we yeah. just decided to change the name. And we're just going to restructure the whole thing. We're going did, to do a new probably logo. did the right thing, like you said. Yeah, bad, I mean, bla- it was, sometimes publicity, bad publicity is bad. You know, yeah. everybody says it's good, but it's not in and, this yeah. industry. Any, any publicity of, is not good publicity. Yeah. I mean, and what's to, kind of crazy to me is you guys are wild thing outdoors, and this is just wild things. Like, I mean, what the the only thing that's the same is wild thing. Right. But you guys have outdoors, and then they have an S on the end of it. So it's just crazy to me that they can kick you off of the whole idea well they couldn't like i said they couldn't really kick us off of it but it come it come down to a point that you know if you're typing in to try and find us on facebook or something like that and you type in wild thing outdoors and you accidentally go to their page we felt that the level of professionalism from their page did not match ours so we did not want any type of confusion in there at all good plan yeah Yeah. so we just thought Instead of somebody going and accidentally finding them instead of us and them seeing their, you know, professionalism on their page and thinking that it was us, that's when you get into the pat, the bad publicity type part of it. So yeah. 
you know, we had a little bit of a team meeting after I talked with the lawyer, and I said, listen, we could fight this, and we could probably keep Wild Thing outdoors, or we can completely cut the name, cut the logo, restructure from the ground up, and and have just our, just take the shot outdoors. Now, you know, when you go to type in take the shot outdoors, you're going to go right to our page. And another good thing is, is uh, if you type in Wild Thing Outdoors, it'll take you to take the shot outdoors on Facebook. Nice. Okay. So... So that's a good thing too. So if people still see us as as Wild Thing Outdoors, they could type it in on Facebook, and and it'll take you right to take the shot. Gotcha. Well, that's unfortunate. I mean, you guys got to get rid of all that, and you know, you guys had stickers and yeah, we had koozies and we had a bunch of stuff uh, for this show, and we only had about two days to get everything switched over. So yeah. we just, I mean, you're in a rock and a hard place at that point. You either don't go to the show. Or you go as Wild Thing Outdoors and explain to everyone that hits your booth. It's a headache. I mean, it really is. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I was saying you probably did. You probably did more talking about that than you did actually about hunting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't think I got to. Well, besides chasing my little one around, I don't think I got a chance to talk to anybody at this show about hunting in general. Yeah. The other two did. I mean, you know, they were swapping hunting stories and stuff. But you know, I I streamlined talking to everybody about you know the restructure. Right Which on. is good. I mean, it, because if you think about take the shot, and, and I got it as an idea from uh, from a friend of mine, Tiffany Ramage. Um, if you think about it, that's that's essentially what we're doing anyway. You know, we're taking the shot, trying to make it in the outdoor industry, and then right before the the hunter takes the right before he shoots on camera, the cameraman's going to lean in to the camera and whisper, "Take the shot." Yeah, that's cool. Nice. I like that. It's- me, a little bit of meaning behind the yeah. the name. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. Let's get uh, let's get into a little positive. I know that that's kind of a bummer, but uh, let's get into what what people can see this year um, from you guys and some some things you got going on. We got a lot of cool stuff gonna gonna be popping off this year. We're gonna be making an announcement pretty soon that I am through the roof excited about. It's not a hundred percent yet, but I'm I'm through the roof excited about it. It's taken a lot of work and you know a lot of uh, schmoozing and you know. I'm pretty excited about that announcement, so I don't really want to give it too much of it away right now. But um, as far as future plans for this hunting season, you know, I'm going to uh, – Travis Howe is a good friend of mine, so I'm going to follow his kid around during the turkey season with a camera and get his his son on camera killing a turkey this year. Nice. So we're going to try and get that done. We're talking about a hog hunt this year, and I'm, talk, I'm still talking with, about the antelope hunt that I really want to go do. I mean, that's going to be really cool. Yeah. It's all public land out there, so, I mean, it's it's hard. Take your you bows. Know, and I'm going to do it with a bow. Yeah. What's uh, what's the details on the hog hunt? Hog hunt, well, all, all, it's just in the planning stages right now, okay. but we're going to go down to Texas. A good, a good friend of mine I went to high school with knows a couple guys down there that they just slay hogs all the time. So... We looked on a couple of uh, on a couple of hog outfitters down there, and it's not like they're expensive, but they limit how many hogs you can kill and the size of them. Yeah. So you go down there for three days, and it costs you five hundred bucks, but you can only kill two hogs. You can kill one little one and then one big one. Yeah. And then any hog you kill after that, you have to pay an trophy fees. Yeah. 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 And then yeah. you have to pay for them to field dress it and process it and see if we go down. Through through these through these other people, then we can kill as many hogs as we want. I can bring thirty five arrows and and just slay some hogs down yeah. there and bring back just a slew of meat. Yeah. So cool. we're just kind of in the planning stages of that hog hunt right now. But um, and plus 
Sean's got to get off work. I've got to find time off work. Tim's got to find time to get off of work. We just, with the three of us working as much as we do, it's hard to get all three of us together to do a trip like that. But we really want to because we had a pretty successful year last year. Even though we were Wild Thing Outdoors last year and we're transitioning this year into Take the Shot, we had a really successful year last year. You know, we got a lot of uh, our fan base kind of grew quite a bit, a lot more than I ever thought it was even going to. I mean, when Sean and I was sitting around talking about kicking this thing off, I never dreamed that I would end up with six sponsors. And I would never dream that I would end up with, you know, 650 people caring about what we're doing during the hunting season. I never dreamed about it. So, you know, I think that we just kind of, you know, we had we had a really successful year. I mean, 2008 or 17 was a really successful year. And 2018, I think, is going to be even more successful, especially if we pick up what I'm wanting to pick up. Oh, yeah. Well, we hope the best for you. Um, you guys, are you guys going to still try to stick to public for the deer hunting or what do you you know like i said uh in the last episode i was on we have not even scratched the surface of that public ground mm-hmm. so i think we're gonna stick to it again i mean i really do a lot of people there's even more people that have lost their ground last year and yeah. are being forced to either just stop deer hunting or they go to public ground and you know i still hear a lot of people well i don't want to go to public ground well, why not there's 180 inch deer on public ground yeah you just got to do the work and find them yeah. So that's what I think we're going to do again. I think, I think that's gonna... I think that's an awesome idea for you yeah. uh, to to show people that you can get it done out there with your with your filming, you know. So and it's free. Yeah, yeah, it's you free. Know, you mean, know, so it, it costs. You know, the only thing it costs you on that particular public ground is the paper and ink to print the the windshield card off. Yeah, I know. And then you got a lot of acreage that you can play around, and that Where's that piece is that piece is kind of like three or four different kind of environments of yeah of hunting too so it's kind of cool there's real there's like a real thick hedge timber there's a grassy area there's like a river bottom area mm-hmm. you know there's the high ridge you know rut peak running rut areas and I, I like that place i was talking to a homie i think i think i'm gonna push more out there this year too so you might see me out there scrumping yeah. around <laughs> i think i'm gonna get out there too yeah i just i just like going it's been four or five years since i shot a nice buck off public so i want to get back out there and it's a pretty uh it's an awesome thing when you shoot even a 130 off it because it's just so it's so cool the thing the thing that i've always i've always instilled in myself and i'm starting to instill in my daughter that even any any deer that you harvest no matter you know if it's a yearling doe or you know a six and a half year old mature buck Every single one of those deer is a, is, a, is a trophy to us. Yeah, it's a successful and hunt, you know. Especially that's what... if you can do it on pressured public ground. Yeah. I mean, when you can seal the deal on pressured public ground, you're doing something right. That's right. So, and I think, uh, you know, as you were talking about the, all those different locations, I mean, that's like 1,700 acres out there, mm-hmm. man. I mean, there's there's different environments, and there's different deer that live in those environments. I yeah. Mean, you know, for that whole entire property, you know, some people have 40, 50 acres that they hunt, and there's one dominant buck on that property. Mm-hmm. And this, I mean, you don't even know. I yeah, mean, you have no idea. Yeah, so. but there could be 50 dominant bucks on it, or, or even more than It's that. right there on the river, too, because yeah. there's a lot of bucks running that river during the rut and searching for does. So I think that I, we're definitely going to stick to the to the public ground this year, and I might even be sold on it permanently. Yeah. You know, I just, I really like it. I, I'll be honest with you. I was not, in, initially, I was not excited about it at all. I was like everybody else that was like, man, I'm not going to go to public ground. I'm just going to hang my bow up. I'm not going to go to public ground. I don't want to do it. 
and then I started to really dive into it because I loved archery hunt so much, I, and I don't want to give it up. So I started to really dive into it, and it's it's going to be good. Right on. But man. it's not going to be easy either, but that's my favorite part. Yeah. And that's why I like, uh, you know, running, take the shot outdoors because it ain't easy. It's not easy. It's hard. It's a lot of man hours. It's a lot of lost sleep. It's a lot of... Um, multitasking you know i do a lot of take the shot outdoors work at my day job you know when i got downtime there i'm doing stuff for that and uh, yeah well we we wish the best for you guys we hope to to see uh have a super successful year and just keep growing and uh we'll be following you so we get to see it firsthand from the ground up so that's super cool like you said 10 years from now you never know man it could be could be huge so i mean how many uh you know bill jordan and tiffany and lee likowski and all those guys were all at one point sitting around here in a group like this talking about what they wanted to do in the outdoor industry yeah that's exactly. right exactly so well hopefully all the bad stuff's behind you guys and just going up from here yeah, yeah i think we will and i think this gave us a you know i think it gave us an edge you know what i mean we got the restructure and just completely redo everything you know from the logo i mean ground up we just switch all of it yeah that's nice so well, we thank you for coming on. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. We, uh, like I said, we'll be following you, and hopefully, you guys get some hogs down. I'd like to see that. Yeah, right. So. Yeah. All right, um, guys. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna tell them. Uh, obviously, find them at Take the Shot Outdoors on Facebook. Uh, where else can they find you? At? You can find us on Instagram and on uh, YouTube. Just Take the Shot Outdoors. Right on. All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening to this episode. This is gonna be the last person on this episode for uh, Elmwood. We're going to have another Elm one right after this. Um, Thank you, guys. That's That's a wrap. Yep. Whitetail Legacy out.